Today is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. It is also the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. If you have not been enrolled in the Brown Scapular, this enrollment will be available at the communion rail after all Masses today. There are also Brown Scapulars at the Shrine of Our Lady if you are in need of one. The blessing of expectant mothers, which usually takes place on the third Sunday of the month, will, be, will take place next Sunday. There will only be one priest here this week, so check the Mass schedule in the bulletin before coming to church. However, we will still have our summer novena and the dis distribution of Holy Communion at 8 a.m. on Tuesday. The Mass that day, however, will be at 5 p.m. <clears throat> the Sodality will be having their game night this Friday after the 5.45 p.m. Mass. They have tried several times to have this, but it kept getting canceled for one reason or another. But the third time is the charm, as they say. In any case, all are welcome, and we hope to see you there. Next Sunday, there will be the blessing of cars during all the Masses for the Feast of St. Christopher. Next week, we will be having our boys' camp, that is July 25th to 27th. There is a sign-up sheet in the vestibule, or you can contact the office if your boys will be coming. We are also accepting donations to cover the expenses of the camp. Envelopes for this purpose can be found in the vestibule. The epistle for today's Mass is taken from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. Brethren, I speak a human thing because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members to serve uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, so now yield your members to serve justice unto sanctification. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free men to justice. But what fruit, therefore, had you in those things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of them is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants, uh, servants to God, you have your fruit unto sanctification, and the end life everlasting. For the wages of sin is death, but the grace of God, life everlasting, in Jesus Christ our Lord. If you'll please stand, I'll read today's Holy Gospel. <clears throat> the continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in the clothing of sheep, but inwardly are ravening wolves. By their fruit you shall know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and the evil tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can an evil tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit shall be cut down and shall be cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father who is in heaven, he shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Thus far the words of today's holy gospel. Please be seated.
I speak a human thing because of the infirmity of your flesh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Most of the Sunday sermons I give when on the missions are more or less a commentary on the epistle or the gospel of the Mass. There are some pluses and minuses to this. The good part about it is that it is based on the method of the Church Fathers, it is in keeping with the prescription of the Council of Trent, and it affords an opportunity to teach a little bit about the sacred scriptures. The drawback to this method is that the epistle and gospel used in the Mass, though they are carefully chosen from sacred scripture, are sometimes detached from their context. While they portray the theme of the Mass, they rarely present a complete whole which can stand alone. It is similar to when a Protestant throws out a verse or two from sacred scripture to prove something and they usually make you feel a little stupid in the process, but when you see the context, you understand that it doesn't prove their point at all. Of course, the difference here is that the texts selected for the Mass were chosen by people who knew the Bible better than the Protestants and actually knew what they were talking about. So the texts of the Mass do prove and add to the solemnity of the feast that is being celebrated, but they do not always give a complete scope of what the epistle or gospel is about. This is especially true of the epistles. The scope of the apostle St. Paul in his epistle to the Romans is that one who is baptized is in duty bound to lead a new life, the life of Jesus Christ, and must stop living the life of sin. In developing this thought, St. Paul comes up with a very fruitful and practical application. He says, whatever faculty or part of us that was used for something sinful before our baptism, we should now use as an instrument of justice or holiness. This is what he is talking about when he says, I speak a human thing because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as you have yielded your members to serve uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, so now yield your members to serve justice unto sanctification. He begins this with a short apology because of what he said in a previous verse, namely, being free from sin by baptism, we have become servants or slaves of justice. Then he begins the epistle for today, I speak a human thing. That is, I am sorry if the word servant seems harsh, but because of the weakness of our flesh, meaning our limited vocabulary, there is not another word that will express my idea. Therefore, do not take offense at this. It would be nice if we could do that still today, just use whatever word expresses the thing, and if someone takes offense, that is their problem. Being offended at reality cannot change reality. I speak a human thing can also mean that he is speaking bluntly, 
or naturally and in a way that they can easily understand. The idea he is trying to convey in the epistle is that as long as you lived in sin, you were slaves to your passions and you bore their shameful yoke. We naturally despise slavery because it takes away one of our most prized possessions, which is liberty. Yet, we willingly make ourselves slaves to evil by sin. That is, we make our passions our overlords, and we learn from experience that our passions are never satisfied and always require more. Therefore, we shouldn't feel bad to make ourselves servants of justice and virtue unto sanctification. We should make ourselves servants to God and his laws so that we may sanctify our souls. One of the church fathers left us this commentary on the words of St. Paul in the epistle today. He says, by these words, the apostle wished to make his readers ashamed of themselves so that they might pay that homage to virtue which they had formerly paid to vice. It is almost as if St. Paul is saying, Formerly your feet were swift to run the way of sin. Now let them be equally swift to run the way of virtue. Formerly your hands were stretched forth to seize the property of others. Now let them be stretched forth to distribute their own alms. Formerly your eyes looked covetously on your neighbor's goods. Now let them look on the poor to pity and help them. Basically, let every part that ministered unto vice now minister unto virtue. And what it did then to serve evil, let it now do to serve chastity and holiness. For we must serve one or other of these, either e evil or holiness. And how much better is it to serve God, who is all holy, than to serve sin, the source of all sadness? Man is a strange and incredible contradiction. There is in him a tendency to regard anyone as an enemy who attempts to limit his independence. Because of original sin, we see only our rights and liberty and consequently become impatient with anyone who speaks to us about duties and dependence. What is man's liberty in its true meaning? It is the privilege of using his powers of doing or not doing certain acts and of not being hindered in the exercise of his faculties and rights. But man's liberty cannot be conceived of when separated from the rights and liberties of others. For every man is surrounded by other men who have the same rights that he has. Hence, their liberties limit his, and where theirs begin, his stops. There is always authority over us. At the very least, there is always the ultimate authority and source of all authority, which is God. Therefore, true liberty is not freedom from authority or the ability to choose to do right or to choose to do wrong, as some think, but it is the ability to choose to obey God and his laws. 
It is in obeying God's law that we find satisfaction, for this is how he designed it to work. To see, the eye requires light. But let's say the eye decided that it would be more free if it refused the light. It would soon find that things do not work out that way. This is how it is with us as well. Our fallen nature tells us that if that we could find more happiness or freedom in disobedience to God's laws, but we are often soon reminded that that is not the case. He is more free who conforms himself more to the laws of God because we were created to serve God and not sin. St. Paul gives a proof for this later on in his epistle when he says, What fruit had you then of those things of which you are now ashamed? Meaning, there perhaps was a time when you did the works of sin, and looking back on this now, you feel regret and shame. But these are not the signs of freedom, but of slavery. For were it liberty, we should feel joy instead of sorrow. In order to prevent feeling this sorrow in the future, St. Paul tells that once you, once you are loosed from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto sanctification and in the end, life everlasting. He has condensed into this verse all the duties of man on earth and his destiny in eternity, namely, Break with the passions and with sin, which is their fruit. Sanctify yourselves by the practice of virtue, and thus attain your last end, eternal life. And the end of the servants of God is life everlasting. This should be our goal. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.